Welcome to The Follow-Up, the weekly podcast from Coram Deo Church, where we break down the truths of the Sunday sermon and make it applicable to your everyday life. Welcome to The Follow-Up, everyone. My name is Billy Glosson. I'm the lead pastor of Coram Deo Church, and with me is our deacon of communications, Josh Manica. Hello. We are looking at this past Sunday's sermon. We started a brand new sermon series that we're going to be doing through the month of September called I Love My Town, and we certainly do. We are in Morganton, North Carolina, but we looked at our county as a whole because we are very county-focused where we live. We love Burke County. We want to see Burke County renewed by the hope of the gospel, and that's what we talked about. We talked about gospel hope for Burke County, and we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, And so I'll read that to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain." On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we believed, and so so we preach, and so you believed. So we looked at this particular passage because really it's broken down into kind of two ideas. The first eight verses talk about, in the terms of their content, gospel hope. They really give a, a recap, a summary of what is the gospel. And we talked about the idea that it starts with, now I would remind you, we are always forgetting the hope of the gospel. We often despair when we look at the brokenness of our world and we think, how in the world are we supposed to make it through this situation, right? How do we love our neighbor well? How do we care for immigrants? How do we press into our city when it seems like there's so much hopelessness and yet the gospel speaks uniquely and specifically to those things? And we need to be reminded of that. We need to rehearse the gospel. Then there's this transition that happens around verse 9, really verse 8 even, where Paul starts to talk about how the gospel works itself out in his life personally through transformation and renewal. That The gospel took him, who was a really a murderer. He was breathing murderous threats against the church of God. He was seeking to end the spread of the gospel. God saves him, and now Paul is writing Bible. So there's this massive shift that happens, and really, we talked about how the gospel speaks to our lives, our past, our present, and our future reality, right? It says, by which you are being saved, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Kind of these three ideas that in eternity past, right, all of our sin, all of our shame has been dealt with, so our past is settled, and then in our present, like we, we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to be consumed in what others think about us because our present is secured. And then our future reality is going to come to this flourishing finish where we see the resurrection of Christ, the return of Jesus, where every tear will be wiped away 
every wrong undone. And it's our great hope, right? So we've got this amazing, amazing, amazing hope as far as we have gospel hope that leads to personal renewal and transformation. But the problem is we forget. So Josh, how in the world do we fight against that? How do we preach the gospel to ourselves on a day-to-day basis? Well, I mean, I think the the tendency that we have, and, and this kind of comes from my own experience, is that we, we really want to simplify the gospel into something that is that is just for the future. If you know, if you're talking about the past and the present and the future, or maybe even we can simplify it in terms of it's for the past and the future, right? I'm saved from my sins that I used to do. And now in the future, I get to go to heaven. Um, and that's where the gospel applies is like, it's this, it's this eternal form of like security. It's this passport we used to get into heaven. Right. But really the gospel is, it saves us in our present as well. I mean, in terms of, preaching the gospel to ourselves, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves and praying for the for the constant renewal of our minds, right? Like the gospel applies to every single part of our lives, and that's everything we care about, everything we're worried about. Um, you talked in your sermon on Sunday, and you just mentioned it previously, is like, um, let's say you're someone who really cares about immigrants and, and caring for immigrants and welcoming people, but you just see all around the world, like, people are being pushed aside at borders and they're being treated unfairly. And it's like, how do we care for immigrants? It it feels so hopeless in the world, but like the gospel specifically has things to say about that issue. It specifically has things to say about every issue that you could potentially care about. And it's all saturated with the eternal hope that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, really in truth, the gospel applying to every part of our lives, that's the story of Coram Deo, right? We talk about it every single Sunday. Coram Deo means before the face of God or in the presence of God. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we care about, everything we think is all before the face of God. And if we are believers, if we are those people with a regenerate heart, like we know that every single part of our lives, every bit of response that we have is carried by the gospel and is informed by the gospel. And so, I mean, you could look for easy solutions to say, oh, well, you know, if you listen to worship music every day and if you put a prayer, if you do a devotional and you get like a prayer calendar and you do X, Y, Z and things like part of it is just like accepting that your sinful heart is going to constantly like forget and you need to accept that you need to constantly be reminded of the gospel when you fail turn to the word, turn to scripture, turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ who are in, the, in your community of, of the church. And just like saturating yourself with these gospel reminders um, and, and reminding yourselves of the core truths of the gospel. Like, yes, it's good to explore other theology. It's good to explore like grander ideas about who God is and what he's doing in the world. But like at the end of the day, the core of the gospel is what saves us. And that is like continually, I think, going to get sweeter and sweeter to us as we continually remind ourselves of the truths. Yeah, I think we have to remember like that, the present reality, right? So we talked about the idea that our past is settled and our future is certain, but also our present is secured, right? So that every single every single challenge or temptation we have, the gospel is sufficient for those things. So I think of Psalm 34, it's a really good song called Gloria. Um, you might have to type in Gloria 34 if you're looking for it. But it's the psalm that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And in verse 4 it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. 
It's this idea that God meets us where we're at and reminds us how the gospel speaks uniquely and presently to each and every single challenge we may have. So yeah, it might be some huge issue like how do we deal in love with immigrants or it might be something very uniquely specific in your life. Maybe it's a conflict with your spouse. Maybe it's just the feeling of isolation. Maybe it's the uh, present reality of the pandemic that we're currently in. How in the world does the gospel speak to those situations? And and frankly, it does. If for no other reason than it reminds us that our circumstances in this life have an eternal perspective so that we can have joy right now. I mean, really, Psalm 34 is beautiful because it stands as like this de- defiance to be dragged down, like that I'm not going to, to be afflicted. I'm not going to be torn asunder because I know who my God is. God is with me. He is near. I am safe. I am his. And so I even think to uh, like verse 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. God delights to make himself known and abundant in our trials, in our suffering. And friends, really, I mean, just practically, if you are not versed in the scriptures, man, like God delights to meet you there in his word to bring hope and comfort to you. And I know sometimes it can feel cumbersome and weighty to like get in the Bible and it seems like, well, this feels like the generic application, but friends, it is so pertinent and relevant that we do. I mean, yeah. So if you're following us on social media or if you've been around Coram Deo at all over the last few weeks, you know, we're reading through the book uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, And this week we're reading chapters three and four. And I mean, that was from the passage that we put out on our social channels this week. Uh, where he was talking about how we tend to view Jesus as someone who is like lessened when we come to him. We, 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 we don't turn to him. We don't turn to the word because we're like, oh, Jesus will be like burdened by, by like our failures and stuff. But no, he delights to like give us more of himself. That is like what gives him joy. That is what gives him comfort is drawing near to us. So we should never hesitate to, you know, admit that like it, it it, it takes a lot of humility, I think, to recognize that, like, we have heard the truth of the gospel, and yet we are forgetful people who mm-hmm. forget, like, what it means for us. But when we know Christ, when we know that it is his joy to, like, welcome us to his to His body and, and to give us more of himself, like, that takes all of the, that takes all of the fear, all of the frustration out, frustration out of that equation, because all we need to do is come to him and say, Give me more of yourself. Um, remind me of the truths of like what you did for me and what that means for me and for the rest of the world. Like that's a that's good news. I mean, that's what the gospel is, right? It's good news for us. Exactly. And I think one of the things too that I would add to that is that we need God's word absolutely. Like we need to commune with him in prayer. And so those are some of the the prototypical things that you're gonna hear us say. But friends, the reality is you and I are prone to forget and we need each other to remind each other. And so really the outworking of this is what we're gonna start talking about this next Sunday, which is gospel community. And so if you're someone who forgets the gospel, right, you need somebody to lovingly remind you of it. I mean, I've needed that. Like, you know, it's been what a, it's a very trying time to raise and have children, right? It just is because there's already enough in the world to be concerned about. And now you've got this kind of extracurricular fears of like pandemic and, and how do we deal with this and what's right and what's wrong. And having people come into your life and speak the hope of the gospel and remind you of those things is deeply refreshing and encouraging. So the problem I think we have unique to our context really is that there's what we call therapeutic moralistic deism. That's what sociologists will call what a lot of people in the South 
subscribe to. Tim Keller calls it just the 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 kind of old like religion versus the gospel. I, I'd call it do goodism. This yeah. idea that like if you go to church on Sunday, at least you know every now and again, and you 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 vote a certain way, you mind your manners, you say yes, ma'am, no, sir, and you don't spit, you don't cuss. You don't chew and you don't go with girls that do, right? That old adage of like, yeah. be a good person, try really hard, then God will be happy with me. And it's so prevalent where we live and it and it's so heavy and weighty. I mean, how do we fight false gospels like that? Well, I mean, we could probably spend 30 minutes just like looking up scriptures and, and like citing scriptures that talk about how, you know, we're talking about works righteousness and talking about how our works are ultimately not what saves us. Right. Like that is all over the Bible. The, the thing that come, came to me when thinking about this kind of false gospel of like, you know, do get a goodism and like, how do we do enough to make God happy with us is um, it's from John six. And, and this may not apply right away, but like, hear me out um, in John six uh, after this, many of his disciples, Jesus' disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy one of God. Like you are not going to find it anywhere else, but Jesus, right? There is no hope outside of that. And in terms of like application, like if we're talking about do goodism and therapeutic deism and stuff like that, how is just like being a good person and minding your P's and Q's, how is that different than just like any other philosophy, any other religion that like operates in the world? Like, like there's no hope in that. That's just like running out the clock on your 70 odd years and then like saying goodbye. Like, well, I, I, I did my best. Like, that's not hope. That's not, that's, right. that's just like, again, that's just like kind of playing out the clock. The gospel offers a specific hope in response to like the troubles of the world. Yeah. And I think back to, I mean, really this, this harkens back to your sermon on the rich young ruler, right? He comes before Jesus and says, good teacher. And Jesus responds with who is good. It's this idea that when we try like, to, yeah, you don't think I'm good. <laughs> it's like when we try to stand before a holy God and hold up our goodness, y'all, we don't want to, play that game because we're going to be found wanting the best person you can possibly think of. I mean, pick your mother, Teresa, pick your Billy Graham, pick whoever you want to pick. They do not measure up to a holy God, let alone all your good deeds, let alone all your righteous living. Because the reality is we are so flawed deeply and emphatically that we need Jesus to look to the crucifixion and say, I'll just try harder is to deny the truth of the cross. We cannot live that way. We must not live that way. We have to be a people who depend on the righteousness of Jesus. So the way that we fight that gospel is by doing the very things we've already talked about, mm -hmm. that we would stay in the word, that we would spend time in prayer seeking God, and that we would live in the context of gospel community, that we would have people speak the truth into us. It's when we don't do these things, when we just kind of have bumper sticker theology where we have subtle phrases and the ideologies that we repeat to ourselves and we allow culture to indoctrinate and to be the place where we get all of our information and really our theology, that's when we start to fall into these subtle false 
truths of do-goodism, try harder, pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. And we do not want to do that. We want to be a people who live in the truth, who walk in the hope of Jesus. Yeah, and I think kind of getting what you were saying about, like, we fight false gospels by doing what we've already talked about, right? Fighting a false gospel is, is first of all, recognizing that, like, we all participate in this works righteousness. We all participate in this do good goodism. Even if we think we're beyond it, we all do it. That's just what our hearts are prone to do. Right. Um, and just like having a second to sit back and think, this is what I'm doing. This is not like, this is not going to save me. Ultimately, this is just like, this is an aimless wandering and recognizing again that we need Jesus. It, it's identifying every moment in your life where I'm like, am I really trusting in the hope of the gospel right now? Or am I just doing this because like, I think it's the right thing to do. And I think God will be happy with me in doing it. And that sounds pretty extreme to be like constantly thinking that and turning that over in your head. But like the more that we look at that rhythm in our lives, I think the more that we'll recognize it and the more that we'll be able to give up that hopeless kind of pursuit of just um, like kind of vague morality and we'll be able to instead cling to the hope of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So again, I'll just say this as kind of as we come to a close here. Sometimes we want this really specific, hyper unique terms of application for my life. And when we say things like, oh, be in gospel community, read God's word, spend time in communion with the Lord, it can feel like that's it. But friends, that's the depth and the beauty of the gospel. It's the simple rehearsing of great wonderful truths. It's the ordinary days in which we open God's word and he reveals himself to us that the gospel is made beautiful again. We don't need some kind of new teaching or really complex, specific application. We just need timeless truths for our timely crises. So I want to offer to you guys, though, if you really want to continue to dig deep and look for others, we always mention some resources that you can go to. Josh already mentioned a great one, which is Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Man, if you want a copy of that, do not buy one. Just come by yeah. the resource table and snag one. Yeah, just we, come see us on Sunday. We've got free ones. We've got tons of them. We would love to give that to you. Crossway has been amazing and gifting us some free copies of that. So we would love to bless you with that. But one other resource that we want to highlight is a book called The Gospel for Real Life by Jerry Bridgers. It is amazing. It is such a great, time, timeless resource. Really, 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 really wonderfully well-written um, that's also on our resource table and we'll have a link to it in the show notes. We're so thankful for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for listening to the follow-up. If you'd like to listen to more of our podcasts, you can do so on anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. To learn more about the life of the church, head to our website, quorumdeonc.com, or follow us on social media at quorumdeonc.com.